Hi, I'm Emily Salaby, founder of Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company, and your host on the Hazard Girls podcast here on Jacket Media. I'm so honored to host this show where I get to chat with Hazard Girls about their careers. Hazard Girls is an online community for women working in traditionally male-dominated fields. On our show, you'll get to hear from these amazing women about the path that led them to their current careers, challenges they've overcome, advice for other women in entering these industries, and more. Erin Moore has been a sales leader in the tech industry for over a decade. She has acted as a powerful force for the companies she's worked for, such as Markwam and Centerspan, bringing a strategic mindset and technical skill set to directing the sales teams. While working in this male-populated field, she began to develop a female-focused sales mindset approach that she wasn't finding in traditional sales books. Now, Erin is passionate about teaching women how to sell in an authentic and personal way. Erin is also a mentor with Latinas in Tech, which is a great organization. Welcome to the Hazard Girls podcast, Erin. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. So Erin, you're coming to us from deep in the tech industry where you've been working for a decade or more. But that is not how you started out, right? No, not at all. Um, okay. Yeah, you have a degree in philosophy, is that right? Yes, I know that. So, um, so the background on that is, I was I was never a school person. I feel like school was the opposite of how I like to learn. It was not something that I did well, and my parents were like, "Do whatever interests you," and that mm-hmm. literally has sort of been my mantra through life. But so philosophy at the time was was a good pick. It interests me. And yeah. my parents were like, okay, yeah, I don't know what you're going to do with it, but I'm sure it, you're using it in ways you don't even realize. A hundred percent. Totally. <laughs> People say that to me about uh, women's studies too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, it has, it ties into everything, but it's not, it's not like business communication or something. Right. So yeah. Exactly. Not so specific. Yeah. Well, okay. So take us a little bit through your journey though. So after you finished your philosophy degree, did you mm-hmm. go straight into the tech industry? Not at all. I, um, you know, I've been listening to many of your podcasts and the journeys of women, how they, how they navigate. And I was even looking at your own journey and I feel like it rings true where we don't really know where we're going to land when we start. And Mm -hmm. that is completely true for me. I literally just, I, so I make up, I was a makeup artist for 10 years Mm. and I started out there. It interested me. Don't look at my makeup. Oh no. (laughs) people always say that when I say that that's the first thing they do they go what am I wearing what it where am I do I look like lipstick on um but it was an interesting and back then it wasn't like it is today it wasn't like Instagram influencing it wasn't YouTube um and I didn't really know what I was doing you know you're 20-ish and you're starting out and and this interested me and I started at the Christian Dior counter and funny enough I mean it really was the sales skills. This Mm -hmm. is all 2020. At the time, I didn't really have any idea this was going to be like the platform for how I learned to be effective in sales. But um, yeah, I started out at a counter and I worked my way up. I became a traveling artist, Um, grew up in California. So San Francisco was a big hub of where I did a lot of my work. And then for the next 10 years, I just, I hustled and I dived into it a hundred percent and did that for about 10 years. Um, the, the part of the story that, that really also sort of impacted that was my dad was an entrepreneur and he had his own business. 
And so when you're working a job like makeup, it's seven days a week, but it's not full time. So on the downtime that I was not maybe doing a gig or on a, you know, on like some show or doing something like that, I was working with my dad and I was side by side with him. And so it was sort of a mixed education. I was doing something that I loved and doing it with my own sort of rules and chaotic way of maneuvering in that space that I had no real training in. And then also getting this very business oriented sort of education. And at the time I didn't value it. And it was more annoying than anything, if I can recall, but I absorbed so much, you know, I mean, um, so it, it's one of my, my greatest, like I have so much appreciation for that time to be alongside my dad for, I was about seven years. Um, but it's, again, it's all, it's all in hindsight. And like I said, with your journey too, I'm sure you can resonate. It's like, that's how you don't know at the time how this is going to connect to where you land, but it did actually really influence where I came to today. What, um, what did your dad, what kind of business did your dad have? So my dad was an IBM business partner. He was in corporate America and he actually wanted to give back to communities through education. And so he started a program through, at the time, it was a government funded um, Leave No Child Behind. And we would go into school districts and create um, computer um, computer platforms, computer systems for different like lower income schools funded by and through some of his corporate connections. So it was this whole networking, cross communication, working with teachers and educators, but then also working with corporate and and just a mix of all sorts of things. So it was um, it was truly. Um, to be a part of that and to witness and how he was maneuvering with different, you had executive and C-suite, then you also had teachers and educators and people that he really wanted to create, um, you know, opportunity for. Mm -hmm. Seeing how he navigated with language and nonverbal and, and his spirit throughout was probably what was the biggest takeaway for me. And then if I were to describe my father today, I would say, I mean, he's, He's, he's still with us. He's amazing. And I'm still, my family's still very close, but he was just incredibly generous. Like he just was generous with his time and how he worked through things with certain people. And that was probably my biggest lesson when working side by side with him. What an amazing testimony to his legacy and career that you know he was able to impart so much influence on you and yeah. guide your own path in that way. Did he want you to go into tech? Was that something he kind of pushed you toward? No, I mean, again, I would have never, how I came into tech was really sort of just by chance. Um, mm-hmm. I had a, I had a friend, every, every job I've had essentially has come from, I have a friend saying, Hey, I have a job that you would do well at. And I'm like, Oh, okay. And I, <laughs> you know, kind of go off with not a lot of intention. And one of my first jobs was um, in tech recruiting and that was again, hey, I think you'd be great. You should check this out. And I was like, yeah, I can do this. This this sounds this sounds like something I can do. But that was actually the very first job where I really started to, one, kind of hold on to the idea that sales in general as a career was something that I was good at and I enjoyed and I liked on the mm-hmm. same, but on the flip side, why are we doing it this way? Mm-hmm. And it was because I had, you know, again, male and male environment, um, very driver personalities, very metric driven, very mm-hmm. trans- tra- transactional heavy um, environments. And it was the first time where I was 
able to identify for myself in corporate because it was when I'd moved out of the makeup space in a corporate environment, yes to sales, but this still feels really not exactly how I want to do it. Like I could feel that there was a gap there. And it for me, and I think for a lot of women, when you think you're effective in selling and then you go into these spaces, but they don't align to you, Mm-hmm. It creates a confusion because you're like, oh, well, maybe I'm not good at sales. And that is sort of the the first seed that had started to plant where I was like, am I good at sales? Is sales for me or no? Because the way that they were doing it didn't align to me. And that's well, where the gap was. And that's where all this sort of started to come together and, and shift. And what were you selling? Exactly. So at the time I was selling, at that time I was, it was tech services in staffing. So if you were an IT leader, if you were an IT director, manager, and you had a team that, you know, needed to have a certain um, technical representation, I would go in and say, hey, if you need help staffing up this position, whether a contractor, direct hire, mm-hmm. let's work together. So it was, the roles were technical, but the the actual selling was still relationship-based. I was still talking to somebody and it was a human like part of it, what I what I gravitated to, what it, it was me talking with people. It was a people service industry. It wasn't a tech product. So um, I think that for me was the difference. When I was doing makeup, I was all product. When I was, I mean, you're engaging with people within sales, but within this role, it was talking to people and engaging with like a recruiting team. Everything was centered around a human. It was not a product. It was a service. I'm so curious though, how was that different the make behind the makeup counter. I, I have a sales background too. I don't know if you, you saw this part of my journey, but I grew up with uh, in my family with fine jewelry sales in my mm. dad, fine jewelry mm. company. I spent many years behind the counter, um, you know, and and just enjoying that. But was there a major difference for you in selling um, the makeup behind the counter to mostly women? I'm I'm sure, and um, also probably working with mostly women. Um, was there a big difference there between that and then getting into the tech space where you're selling this service with, with mostly men around you and two men? I love, I love that question because when I was doing makeup, I didn't know it was selling. Mm-hmm. I wasn't viewing it like that. Like I didn't have these heavy metrics. I knew that I, cause I was doing training. I was talking with women and just servicing them. I literally mm-hmm. wasn't really thinking like, I need to sell this much money. And eventually a lot, like through my career, being a traveling artist, I was doing a lot of educating. So the idea of educating to a sale was an embodiment that I had. It wasn't, it was, I think the difference between a transactional sale and a relational sale is a division between how much are you thinking of yourself? So when it is highly transactional, it's completely self-focused. And we know what that salesperson looks like. You walk in and you can feel that they mm-hmm. have something that they want you to buy for them. It's not about you at all. And relational selling is where you're fully invested. If you go all the way to the other end of, other end of the spectrum, you're fully invested in that person, having an experience and having an outcome that serves them first. And so the makeup world that I was in, one, it was about artistry in my head. I wasn't actually that good. I think I was better at sales than the makeup, but in comparison to some of the artists out there, I'm like, oh my goodness. But I mean, I was good enough to keep going. But my point is 
I didn't see it that way. I really didn't. I really didn't see what I was doing as sales, especially as I got higher and higher up into my career. When I moved out of that space and into corporate, um, that's when I really felt like it was the role of my job was to make the company money. And that mm -hmm. meant heavy hitting metrics, heavy hitting, like pick up the phone and dial. Um, and the, the way the, even the language of how it was framed for me was radically different. So it wasn't until later in my career that I could look back and be like, oh, I was selling. I was having these conversations in the, in, in, with the intention of actually driving revenue for this company or for this website or for, you know, cause there were also creative work in there too. I was just on set to do actual makeup. So it was a blend. It wasn't that I was just at a counter, but it did feel radical. And that's why I got a little confused and tripped up. And it was sort of, like I said, planting of the seeds of there's gotta be a different way. Why are we doing it this way? Why is it so like unattached to meaning and purpose and intention and I didn't, I didn't know why it had to be this way. I really resisted it. And I had enough success and my close rates were good. But I, went, I remember my boss at the time in this first role, he was like, I need you to be you, but like three times faster. Because I had one of the highest close rates on mm -hmm. the team. But if I talked to 10 people, I would close eight versus talking to 30 people and only closing five. Do you know what I mean? Like, and he wanted me to like, hurry up, do more. It was like this frustration of you're really good, but you could be way better if you did it 10 times faster. He wasn't uh, recognizing that the power of what you were doing was coming from the fact that you were taking the time and building the relationship. He yeah. thought you should be able to, why, why can't you just speed that same exact thing up, do it quicker and do more of them? Mm -hmm. And how, how did that make you feel? It was when I really doubted that I was, and I think this is what happens to a lot of women. I really doubted that this was the right environment for me. I mean, in 2022, the statistics are um, in the sales space, it's 70% men still and only 30% women. And that's- Is that that's across the board in like sales just in the tech industry or for all? I, it's for all. It was a stat that I saw that it was more, it was March 22 and they were just doing like a piling of like, where are people getting jobs and, and where are they landing? And it was that men were still in 70% of the sales positions. So I'm guessing that it wasn't just tech. Um, and it's because women crave, I think, community, relationship, intention, purpose, we want to understand why we're doing things. And I don't mean to exclude that men don't feel that way, but I just have learned in my conversations with women and my coaching and my um, leaning into this space with women, it, it transactional is not an option for us. It's just not a driver. Um, and I, I do feel like there is a distinction where some, and for some men that works, I'm not saying my way is the right way for everybody, but the people that are gravitating towards how I maneuver are the people who want for sales to feel like an education, to feel like you're servicing somebody, to be a leader in a conversation and in it having much more of a broader um, intention and purpose than just let's make the numbers this month. It's the 15th, yeah. it's Q2, it's, you know, those kinds of things. Can you expand a little bit on what you mean by transactional versus relational? Can you, can yeah. you kind of maybe give an example of how each, the same scenario in different, in, in each, under each of those 
philosophies would be different? Yeah, I, I see it a lot. I feel like, so if you are looking, so transactional, like I was saying earlier, it's very self-driven. And so mm-hmm. when you are looking at your month, your week, your, you know, where you are in the year, you are thinking of, um, what do I need? How many calls do I need to make to get this number to get to be successful for myself? Mm-hmm. And when you have that intention, when you're when you're looking at it in that way, and it just lands in transaction because you're not actually thinking about sales as a way of thought, as a way of creating a solution in a different way of thinking. You're mm-hmm. like, it's literally, what do I need to do to hit this number? And I'm not saying there's not a place for that, but I don't think if your intention to move yourself in a way to make money, that's where you're starting. Then when every time you have a conversation with somebody, it's a, this is a yes or a no. This is a, like, you're just taking in the person on the other side as somebody who's getting you closer or farther away. You're not actually creating thought and communication and listening to learn. You're listening to solve. You're listening to fix. You're listening to enter into a conversation with somebody so you can plot what you have to say. It's completely self-focused. But you know, I have to ask you a question. What do you think about the term when they say close the sale? Oof. Um, Because that's something I hear, I used to hear a lot (laughs) as a teenager working in the the store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Close the sale. And I always hated it because to me, it was like, it's, I don't, I'm not trying to close anything. Yeah. I, like, I felt like you, like I was just there to, to assist someone on their, uh, on what they were trying to accomplish, which is maybe finding a specific piece of jewelry or a gift. Yeah. I think that, cause here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you're all the way in transactional land and you're like, close the sale, <laughs> it's in direct line with I win. Right. 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 If, and, the, and the other, the polar opposite is relational, which by the way, is not any better. Because when you are a female, or if you're somebody who, I shouldn't even say that, if you're somebody who leads with like deep relational attachment, if you have your own business and you're like, I'm trying to sell, everything you do, you're going to take way too personal. And you're going to take it, like when they say no, it's like, they don't like me. They don't like my product. It like really, it's way too heavy. And guess what? You're not going to want to do it. You're not going to want to do it again. Mm-hmm. You're going to say, this didn't work. You're not going to, the rejection hits home. Um, it feels like such failure and it's so attached to you in an identity. So on either side, they're not healthy. You don't want to be so, when you're in this, in this world of sales, you don't want to be so transactional that you only think of yourself because you will never win. I don't think, I don't think you will get the second and third sale that actually builds the revenue that you're looking for within, you know, within your own space and, and have a long-term, um, like, I, I just think you're going to move from company to company to company looking for the next dollar and looking for the fastest win. And, and for me, that doesn't feel like a win. Mm-hmm. If you're highly relational, you're never going to make it because every time, you know, you're going to need, you know, to sit and uh, lay on the floor and cry every time you get rejection. That's also not the goal. You really want to be centered. You want to be, you want to close the sale because, because, so it's like a yes and. Yes, you want to close the deal and you want to feel really good about the fact that the person on the other side has benefited from something that you deeply believe will benefit them. So it's a win because they win first and they're gaining something out of something you were able to provide. You know, it's that 
it's they win and we win. It's it's not close the deal because I win. It's truly yeah. just about, I feel like the difference is truly about intention. If you're really going into this saying, mm-hmm. I deeply believe in what I have to offer. And here's here's the biggest difference. If you are going into a conversation looking to sell them on something, you're going to be more in the transactional camp. If you're going into a conversation to say, tell me about what you're doing now. Mm-hmm. Have you considered this as a solution? Have, like you're not trying to sell even your solution. You're trying to create an opening of how they're thinking about their problem. Mm-hmm. And when you can do that, when you can one, identify the problem and agree to the problem and say, this is what I'm struggling with. Um, you know, I, I don't have shoes that fit. I'm in construction. They are horrible. I feel over masculine and I don't feel like myself when I'm in these shoes. And then you're like, tell me about what you feel like at the end of a day. Like, how does that impact your, how does that impact you after you've given your blood, sweat and tears for the week? How do you want to feel about yourself? Is it an alignment? You know, you're like figuring out that. And then you say, well, I have something that might help bring more just fun and joy and alignment to yourself. Here's Juno's shoes. You know, here's Juno Jones' shoes. It's it's not saying buy my shoe. It's saying align to yourself and here's how. Here's another mm-hmm. way to do that. Here's a way to honor yourself. Here's a way to look at what you did today and still be like, I'm proud of myself. And this is something I'm rewarding myself with because it aligns to me. That's very different than buy my shoe, make money. It's about, it's about creating a thought and an education around how they are doing it now. And here's a way to solve for that, Mm -hmm. which is so much more that it's an experience it's a different way of thinking. It's a way of communicating for yourself to say, this is how I want to represent myself and everything feels whole. So at yeah. the end of the day, when you make money, you're like, I did it. I closed the deal. I, I made somebody's day better. I had impact. I serviced them and we both win. And so it is, that's a very long way of responding, but it's, it's literally staying in the middle. So you get a little bit of the mentality of, I have something to say, and I want to service this need. Mm-hmm. Also, if you don't choose my solution, I still want to identify for you where you are and create mm-hmm. a different line of thought. I love that. Yeah. And how, how can, why is it that this applies more to women? Do you think? That's a good question. I I don't even want to say that. I just have felt in my conversations and the people that resonate with what I'm saying tend to be women. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to disclude or like exclude men from being in this space, but I do believe that women are drawn to community. Mm-hmm. They are drawn to really needing to feel that they're servicing like we are naturally I think a little bit more service minded in the sense of um we like to give and there to be fair trade um and I think the biggest difference is we're more and again I hate to I hate to say this because I I know there's exceptions to the rule it's just been my experience that in a sales dynamic highly transactional spaces are most uncomfortable for women. 
Mm -hmm. And they appear and have appeared to me to be more comfortable for men. Um, they don't require or haven't required the same amount of um, like emotion and feeling and intention. And, and it's a double-edged sword because in, in these spaces, I have, you know, it also classifies women as being emotional. So it's like women don't necessarily want to be seen as emotional or purpose-driven or intention-driven in this very, you know, negotiating male-dominated um, space. And it's, it's a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a weird dynamic because how do I show up as myself, still be heavy hitting, not look like the men, honor myself, stay in alignment. You've, and that's where this for me has shown up. I do believe you can do both. Um, and that's sort of the message here. You can, I think. Well, I mean, a lot of it is as women, we may naturally be one way more than another, but then a lot of it also you've spoken about is socialization and how totally. we as women have been socialized. And how do you think that aspect, the socialization aspect impacts the sales mindset for women? Oh, huge. I, I would say my biggest awakening happened. It was sort of like the end of my thirties when I realized and I realized it through listening to other women. It wasn't because I had this, I was so self-aware that I got it for myself. We let, we lead with likability way too much. We, we lead with likability. Okay. If they like me, they will buy from me. If they like me, they will keep talking to me. If I show them, if I, you know, I remember, um, especially in the beginning, I would always get, people always wanted to go to lunch with me. It was like, yeah, let's go to lunch. Let's get a drink. Let's talk. And I was like, oh, this is great. Mm -hmm. They, they want to work with me. They want to hear what I have to say. No, they didn't really. They wanted to hang out. They wanted, they knew I was going to pay. They, um, you know, I wasn't leading with value first. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying likability doesn't have a space. It does. But we as women, you know, let's bring the cupcakes. Let's bring the cookies. Let's bring the mm -hmm. fun. Let's bring the kindness. Let's, let's do all these things so that, we don't step into it out of alignment. But when we do that, when we lead with that, we are automatically like, they don't, they don't need us for anything. We haven't brought the value. They mm -hmm. just like being around us. And we aren't looking for friends. We are looking to make, you know, driving our business, especially if you're an entrepreneur, you are driving a business. You have a value add, you have something to say. And, on, and in two different ways, one, it doesn't create the value for the person on the other side that says, this is why you're working with me. This is what I offer. This is what you're going to get from me. And you're not leading with that. But on the other side, it also, I think, takes away from our own ability to lean into that space with confidence and value because we aren't doing it. So it was a real shift for me. I think a lot of women do that um, because we are not taught. We are taught to be nice, to be kind, to think of others. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, our voice isn't, if we're going to be loud and we're going to be direct and we're going to be assertive, are you being difficult? Are you being right. too assertive? Are you being too loud? Stop trying to be like the boys. Like there's so much pushback and mm -hmm. it has to come really, it has to come from awareness of self of this is, this is true for me. This is really what I have to say. And this this is not about me. This is about what I have to offer and the value and, 
and separating yourself from that. So hmm. I think I hear that. I hear that across the board all the time. Hmm. And is there, I mean, do you have any tips for how as women, we can recognize that when we're doing that and maybe try what else we can do instead? I think that one of the biggest things is really having a very clear understanding of what it is you're trying to sell. So almost, I would say product first. So, Mm -hmm. and I'm not even talking about necessarily features and benefits and being able to like run down the stats in the, in the store, in the, in the like, why, you know, why you're buying this product. But I would say the number one thing you can do as a woman in business, in sales, as an entrepreneur or in the workplace, know how your product or service hits the bottom line for your customer. Mm-hmm. It is it is essential that you know how what it is you're selling or what it is you're offering impacts financially your client or customer. Because to lean into a business mindset first and mm-hmm. understanding, you know, it's like, so for me, if I'm selling something to an IT manager, I have to have an absolute understanding of what that does for the person on the other side to their bottom line. Does it make them money? Does it save them money? Does it reduce risk? Does it save time? Those are sort of the four like big things that in a sales mindset you want to kind of understand. And so if you know where where your product lands on one or more of those and Mm -hmm. you are articulating to your client or customer from their lens, how it hits their bottom line and how it should be in a priority to them. It's truly a business mindset. It's not about me. It's not about them. It's where this product really is. And if you can start there and really make that a part of how you are articulating and, and getting into conversation, you will automatically lead with value because your mindset is really like you're trying to help their business in, and you know how and why. And um, one of the questions I have, like when I'm coaching, one of the questions I, I ask the women to think about when they're going into conversations, including like me before coming and talking to you, what is it that you want the other person to feel on the other mm-hmm. side? So when I'm talking to somebody that's a client or a customer and I'm trying to get myself like centered or grounded and I say to myself, what do I want this customer to feel? Do I want them to feel like I'm the kindest, nicest person in the world? <laughs> if that's true, then then that's your intention and that's how you can lead the conversation. If you say to yourself, how do I want this person to feel? I want them to feel like I'm capable, Mm -hmm. that I'm clear, that I'm credible, Mm -hmm. that I have influence. If that's how you're setting up for yourself, a conversation emotionally and internally and intrinsically, then you will know how to drive that conversation. Because when you say, I want the other person for them to feel like I'm credible, then you will lead with the business mindset and the value that you provide. Okay. So when you talked a lot about, um, different, I guess the differences between transactional and, um, relation relational, we called it sales, the two, those two different types of sales and relationship building as you know, how important that is. And then we talked a little bit about how, you know, as women, we've been socialized a certain way and we may have certain natural uh, ways that of behavior, 
that are lending themselves to whether, you know, the type of sales strategies that we are adopting. But when you, you had mentioned um, before the show in the show notes, leading with your natural talents as a woman. Mm -hmm. Um, What does that mean to you? So when I say leading with natural talents, you know, I think it's really important to know how you are going to be consistent Mm -hmm. because so much of selling is building trust. And so what I would never want somebody to do, like if somebody is naturally really outgoing and they are just, you know, you've met these people, they're just warm and kind and generous and they kind of ooze that. I'm Mm -hmm. not saying don't be you and start, you know, giving yourself boundaries and changing how you communicate. I think that there's a space for showing up authentically as yourself when you know, um, when you have a stronger self-awareness. I absolutely fall into the camp of more relational. Like I am somebody who led for a very long time with likability, led for a very long time with this warmth and this like, I wanted them to feel validated and seen. And, and so, but then when I realized that was not getting the job done in the sense of a value, it's just being able to balance out, making sure you can add where the credibility and the value and the statistics and the direct conversations and embed that into who you already are. So I think that like for me, um, one of the things I've done that has really shaped is I really set an objective emotionally. So I do that. How do I want the person to feel? I still do that to this day, especially if I'm nervous. I really want to remind myself this is something that I want the other person to take away. And then the other thing is, is I make sure I have a clear objective for every conversation. Mm-hmm. And if I'm setting a clear objective in every conversation, I know where I'm trying to lead them. I know what I'm trying to get out of it. And however I do that, if I'm extra warm or if I'm a little bit more direct or assertive, but I know my objective is this, that's what I would say to start leading into and building skills around how to have conversations that are effective, but also learning how to adapt that to what you already are. So I do work in it like you and and many other women that are probably listening. I do work in a male dominated space Mm -hmm. and I have curbed, like I'm way more direct. If you would have talked to me 10 years ago, I, I was way more, I just wasn't as assertive with what I was saying. I didn't speak with such directness. I wasn't like, we have 30 minutes. Here's what we're trying to do. This is the agenda I want to work through. I want to start with asking you, how is it? Like, I was just so less sure of how I was even using the time. Mm -hmm. And so I just think to answer your question, it's, it's showing up as yourself, figuring out where you need to make the edits so that you can be effective in your sales process. At the end of the day, you do need your sales to drive revenue. Like that's, that is the goal, but how you show up authentically within your own self aligned with where your blind spots are. So you can be effective in, in your sales process and get from one conversation to the next, what you need out of that conversation. Does that answer that? Yes. Yes. And can you be dominant while still being kind and empathetic? Can you be both? Yes. Yes. And I think that you absolutely can. And I think that that's what women can lean into. I don't think you need to be like kindness 
Like I, I would never want, I would not, I would want anybody I come into contact to feel like, yeah, she was nice. She was kind. She was thoughtful. Mm -hmm. And I think that you do that again through intention, but also you're honoring somebody's time. So if you're mm -hmm. like, I know you're busy and here's, and somebody gives you 30 minutes or 20 minutes of their time to listen to you. And you honor that by being clear, direct, and really like, here's what I want to get out of this. Here's what I want to learn from you and making sure that the other person is really given a chance to speak and you're listening. That is doing both. I think that what, I think there's a misunderstanding with being direct, assertive, clear, um, having objective, have an objective, you know, making sure you're talking about money, getting all that into a conversation. That is not masculine. That is effective. That is sales. Mm -hmm. You right. still are like, tell me what you're thinking, making space for somebody else, you know, and, and being kind around that. Thank you so much for the time. I really value that you yeah. gave me this space today is something that if you're maybe more transactional, you're like, thanks for the call catch up with you. Like, yeah, it's just, you can still show up that way. Does that make sense? Yes, that totally makes sense. Yeah. All right. So, so I know Aaron, you're so busy. Uh, you have a full-time job with startup center span, but you're also working on your own projects and you, you know, you're, you're, you're spreading the word and you're wanting to educate women about, you know, these sales techniques that apply differently um, depending on whether you're more of a transactional person or a relational person. What, what projects are you working on right now? Yeah, great question. I am doing, so I'm on Instagram as a sales mindset. And I, for me, it's, if you go on there, it's very, it's very me. It's very much about confidence and internal mm -hmm. alignment and feeling like just really understanding your values. So that is, that is a place to find me. Um, okay. And then I would say LinkedIn is definitely like where you, I would connect with most people. I'm working on building out right now more of a workshop approach to doing sales coaching. I've done sales coaching for a couple of years, one-on-one, -on -one, but I feel like with sales, we need more witnessing of what we're doing. So we're, I'm building out more workshops where we have several people in a space talking out like what it is that they're doing because we want to label what we're doing and then we want to have a witness to what we're doing. So then we can say, I see that, I've tried this. Because we learn so much by doing in sales, it's hard to be like, do this. Because if I say do this, that's how I do it. That's not my, that might not be for you. And I say a lot of times sales is personal because you need to do what works for you. So you want to apply the fundamentals, but you want to apply it to your personal system. And lots of times it's actually my pet peeve. You often hear people in sales say, do this. This is how you should do it. If you do this, you're going to make all the money, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. True for them, maybe. You know, so learning how you show up in sales is always going to be the most important thing. And I can't teach you that. Mm -hmm. So that's why I think workshops, more of a workshop um, format, we're finding is a better approach. And so mm -hmm. I am, I will, when I have them more formalized, I will be placing them on my LinkedIn. I will be placing them on my Instagram so people can access that. But if they're just wanting to learn more, I would say just reach out to me directly. Okay, so so some limited one-on-one -on -one coaching right now, but um, get in line because you've got your pretty busy. Yeah, I am. It's something that is absolutely in progress. But your um, but your LinkedIn is Aaron Moore, and your your Instagram is a sales, a sales mindset. Sales mindset, so people can find you there, start following you, get in touch with you on LinkedIn, make sure you're you're staying connected and following along because there's workshops coming. Yes, that should be 
exciting, which I'd love to be involved with as well. Well, <laughs> Moore, sales leader in the tech industry and director of sales for CenterSpan. Thank you so much for sharing your take on approaching sales as a woman in a male populated industry. Uh, but really, I think it goes beyond that into just a different type of mindset around sales that doesn't necessarily work for, uh, for everyone. But it's so interesting how you've learned the difference between sales for sales in an approach where you're really interacting with people and trying to provide value in a service versus this, which we found in the, in the makeup industry behind the Christian George <laughs> versus, versus the sales and the tech industry, which can be so transactional. So thank you so much for sharing that story with us and, and all of this amazing yes. stuff. I appreciate that. Yes. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And I just want to say, when you said on your website, when you said beauty and strength go hand in hand, I'm like, oh my God, that's my tagline. Like that's yes. perfect. So I agree with you hundred <laughs> percent. I felt like you and I were on the same page um, and I loved it. So thank you so much for, for having me. You have been listening to the Hazard Girls podcast on Jacket Media, sponsored by Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company. That's junojonesshoes.com. And you can go there to learn about our steel toe boots and to join the Hazard Girls community. I'm your host, Emily Salaby. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.